Welcome to the Fast Casual QSR Web and Pizza Marketplace Podcast. Hello and welcome to Perfecting Pizza, our podcast that looks at pizza from a different point of view. Today, we're talking all things loyalty programs, and our guest speakers are Mike Reinecker, Director of Sales for PDQ, and Larry Field, Director of Marketing from PDQ, and Russell Lehman, co-owner of Little Italian Pizza in Naperville, Illinois. So let's get started. Mike, why don't you tell us a little bit about PDQ? PDQ has been around for over 35 years in the hospitality industry. We're the leading point of sale company in that space, I'd say. Uh, But we specialize in all the tertiary things that go along with the POS, like loyalty, online ordering, uh, mobile apps, uh, driver dispatch, mapping, everything. Um, we've been around again 35 years, and uh, uh, we can handle one-store operations up to 1,000 stores. All right, Russ, why don't you tell us a little bit about Little Italian Pizza? I know that at one time you owned a bunch of Jimmy John's, so you're well-versed in the um, franchise field as well. Yeah, so that's how I was introduced to PDQ, um, who I really felt was experts in particular in the delivery space and helping us handle that. And it's a tremendous part of the pizza business's delivery and takeout. So it was only natural that when we moved over to the pizza business that we thought, hey, it just makes a whole lot of sense to bring what we know and something, a product we're real happy with over to our pizza restaurant. As uh, almost 85% of Little Italian's business is takeout and delivery. And wow. I wanted to go with somebody that that we knew would work in that. So Little Italian is uh, approaching its 50th birthday. It is a neighborhood uh, dine-in bar takeout delivery restaurant that really now has generations of customers. But what it didn't have was some of these kind of systems, procedures, and modern technologies that we kind of picked up in the franchise world. So we've been the stewards of that business now for about eight years, and we have had PDQ in uh, a couple different iterations in there for uh, the entire time that we have owned it. Great. Let's get into the crux of our podcast here. We're talking about loyalty programs. And today, probably more than ever, there's a real need to gain a competitive edge by fostering loyalty from your valued customers. Russ, how can a rewards program help? Well, uh, it is, you know, the dollars and cents escape me. There's statistics out there on it, but it certainly is much more expensive and a lot more work to gain a new customer rather than it is to keep an old one happy and or have them help you out through word of mouth. So it's just tremendously useful for engagement and for repeat, keeping them coming back. Yeah, you're right about that. Um, Mike, what aspect of a rewards program seems to work best? Is it instant redemptions or milestones? I would, we do both, first of all, but I would say by far instant redemption is favored by our customers' customers. Um, we've seen the statistics from our end. If you do a milestone, which is once you get to 100 points, then you're entitled to a $5 off. But if you want to wait and get to 200 points, we'll give you $11 off. And, you know, so you're always trying to push it forward and never redeem the points, just keep getting them come back. The instant redemption seems to show people come back much more often and use the points, even if it's five cents off. It seems to generate a lot more activity from the customers going back into the stores. I just want to piggyback off what Mike said, based on his comment about instant redemption, is there's a real fast turnaround that we have also for 
when they place their order, how soon those rewards show up in their account. And it's, it's almost like they're, they're looking for it and they'll be the first to notice if it, if it takes longer than usual or doesn't show up. So they, they just, they do like that seeing that they're instantly cared for and, um, you know, I, um, have those sort of perks. They, they do like keeping track of that as far as our, our customers go. Right. Right. Um, Russ, based on your reward statistics, what aspect surprised you the most? How much people really pay attention to it and stay on top of it. And um, we have three different ways that, that you know, uh, or revenue streams. Takeout and delivery by far our biggest. We have a bar and we do have a dining room. And there's some some nuances with the way that we need to keep track of those rewards, in particular with customers that visit us and dine in either in the dining room or the bar. So it's really on our staff then to make sure that we're we're inputting those things the right way. And, uh, you know, occasionally we fall down on that and our customers are really on top of paying attention to it, making sure that everything that they're deserved is counted for. Right. Um, PDQ, you guys can answer this one. Um, with regard to customer emails, what's that sweet spot? as it relates to how many to send, when to send, the interval between sending, the headline, the message, um, that that actual physical email that you guys are sending out. Yeah, it varies, but I would say you don't want to do more than one to two a week. I think if you end up blasting a guy, we had a, for example, we had a guy who was sending out custom emails virtually every day, and he noticed a lot of people were saying, remove me, remove me, remove me, because he was just badgering his, his customers. What we see is the one to two times a week seems to work well. Um, we have tons of set it and forget it emails. So it'll automatically email them on their birthdays, on their anniversaries, the first of the month with how many points they have. Um, if they haven't ordered a while, we'll send out a we miss you email. You know, all these things that just automatically happen. Um, and the major holidays, you know, Easter, Christmas, Fourth of July, et cetera. Uh, Super Bowl, even though it's not a uh, holiday. Uh, but it seems like one to two a week seem to be the sweet spot, I'd say. One to two a week. That's how many I would would expect to get in my inbox. Any more than that, and I'm probably going to ask to be removed as well. Yeah. So, um, Russ, what's the biggest hurdle to using a rewards program? Well, I mean, we wear so many different hats as small business owners. The biggest hurdle to something like this, as important as it is, is just trying to prioritize what you need to do, when you need to do it, who's going to do it, and working with somebody that that you trust that can understand the brand and the feel and, and, and the type of message that you're going for. But, um, you know, I've been surprised pleasantly that um, we're able to work with a partner that can help us get that stuff done. And that that set it and forget it aspect is a really big deal. Otherwise, you know, before we were really engaged with this program, uh, even though it was offered with PDQ, we didn't use it right from the get go. We just we just really struggled to uh, effectively manage our own rewards program and send our own emails. And, you know, next thing you know, it's been six weeks and you haven't said anything to your customers. And, and it's just been uh, really nice to have somebody to help you manage that. It was just a hurdle to be regular with it. Okay. Right. Um, PDQ, if you want, you guys want to take this one, looking at your overall rewards program statistics, what are the metrics about returning customers and ticket size? Well, that's a great question. Um, this is Larry. Um, you, know, you know, it's interesting that ticket size, um, 
is, is roughly about the same. It could be a few percentage points higher as far as what they order because of your specials that you're offering them. But the big thing here is the return customers. And we look at it statistically, it's at least uh, 19 to 20% of a return. Now, you think about that, that's a lot because they have choices and there's a lot of competition. So if you can keep, like, like Russ said in the very beginning, it costs more to get a new customer than it does to have one in your fold. And this way, I think if Russ can work on doing what he does best, which is basically making great food, um, and you can offer some kind of a bonus, the people will return. And that's a significant number. Okay. Russ, looking at the financial benefits of your rewards program versus the costs, you know, the monthly fees and the time and effort it takes to manage, how cost effective is your program and is it worth it? So one of the, you know, challenges that we do have is, is that uh, we're lucky enough to have a restaurant that's been around the community for 50 years. And, and it really fell into, you know, using snail mail and some antiquated methods of reaching out to our customers. And for a long time, we were scared to come up with, you know, a way to capture uh, more modern data, phone numbers, emails, those types of things. But um, the the cost has definitely been worth it. I mean, it is just significantly um, cheaper and a more cost-effective investment to be managing things this way rather than buying stamps and going to the post office and sending them out to where, where they just end up in a big packet of stuff. And, and, and you're just really, literally, in my uh, experience and opinion, for the most part, throwing your money away. This is a, this is a, a data-driven model that really gives you access to um, who you're sending things to in a, in a way to monitor, uh, you know, what your return is. And, and it's just, it's just a, a great way to manage that. Can I add to that as well? This is Mike. If like Larry said, if you're getting 20% of your customers to return more often and their mm -hmm. average check amount is $25, well, all you need is two of those customers to come back each month and it'll more than pay for what rewards cost you on a monthly basis. So if I'm gaining an extra $50 just from two guys that act on the rewards within that month and come back sooner than expected, it's more than paid for it. And that's just with only two guys. I have a question for, for PDQ. How difficult is it to set up and manage a rewards program? Let's say you're you know, an operator that's thinking about starting a rewards program, but you don't have one yet. You're a little, it's a little daunting getting started. How would you, or what would you tell them to set up and manage a new rewards program? We have a form that we send out that's pretty standard. You know, basically it's point driven. Every dollar is worth a point. How much that point is worth is up to the customer. Maybe they want each point to be a penny, two pennies, five cents. It's up to them. Um, then do they want to do uh, uh, instant redemption or milestones? And if they're doing milestones, what what are those milestones and what's the reward for them? Um, so, but it's very easy. They they simply fill out the form, get it back to us. We take care of the balance of it in the background. When a customer walks up and, and Russ says, hey, do you want to become a rewards member? All they do is enter their email address into the system. It'll then shoot that customer an email where they can then enter their birthdays, anniversaries, add family members if they want, and you know check that they want to that they're okay to receive emails, et cetera. So it's it's really easy to do. 
Russ, do you find it's hard to get these customers to sign up when they're actually in the store? I find it harder to have family members and even individuals remember which email address or point of contact they've used to sign up. They're, they're really excited about it and really engaged with it. And uh, no, to answer your question, people are excited to sign up. Okay. Um, if one of you guys from PDQ want to answer this, what do restaurants do wrong when it comes to their rewards program? Uh, they do the milestones and they set those milestones as never really achievable. I had one gentleman who said, okay, at $100, you get, at 100 points, you get $5 off. At 200 points, you get $10 off. Well, that, that's zero incentive to, to hold on to the points, really. You're getting the same deal. You know, you would spend the same money. Um, I've had guys that just over and over and over again email them, like I had mentioned earlier, just berate the customers uh, with emails. Um, those are the two things that I would say uh, uh, were the were the things that guys were doing wrong. Right. Okay. The guys who do it right do nothing. You know, you set it and forget it. It's really that simple. Right. So where do we go from here? Where do rewards go from here? I think the next step with rewards is being more personal with what you're gathering from the customer. Right now, we're just looking at their dollar totals and saying, based on this dollar total, here's how many points you get but we need to be able to look at what they're ordering so that the customers like Russ can then do customized rewards offerings to their customers. You know, Bobby always orders a meat lovers pizza. So let's give him 5% off his next meat lovers, you know, so that really targets home to Bobby on specifically what he likes to buy from the store. That's where I think it's going. It's more, linear it's more granular i'd say if it's digging into the customer's background and stuff but i think ultimately that's where it needs to go they need to feel that they're getting more of a personalized touch what about competition is it um difficult or is it you know hard for some of these places to compete with other rewards programs how do you make sure yours is in line with your competition yeah you know the, the jack of all trades is the master of none, I would say. So if there are some, some rewards companies out there that are huge, but they'll only deal with major chains. Um, our sweet spot is we'll do major chains and we'll also do mom and pops. Um, so the competition varies. I don't think we have any competition on the mom and pops because the guys who can really do all the nuts and bolts won't touch them. Um, uh, and then if it's a franchise, they're already coming to us saying we use X and we use Y. So we'll just integrate with them. Is there a difference in the loyalty programs for, let's say, a small mom and pop versus a larger chain? Is there or are, do they, you know, for the most part, work the same? For the most part, they work the same. The uh, Some guys like to do texting. That's the next step that we'll also add into ours um, so that people can get texts uh, offerings instead of email offerings or both. Uh, but there's a cost with texting. So they got to find that uh, sweet spot there as well. This this is Russ uh, again, but um, it, it some of the larger programs, uh, I think, lean heavy into a one size fits all. And that's just not the case out there. You ask the difference between the larger 
chains and programs versus a mom and pop and more community-based restaurant. And you just, you don't have as much flexibility and malleability in my previous experience. I can tell you for sure in the franchise world of being able to listen to your local customers, your long customers that you have coming into your box and and trying to um, almost, uh, you know, have your program designed a little bit more specific to meet their needs and the things that they want and, and be able to, to adjust quickly with the help of PDQ. Yeah. Something we didn't touch on is our system allows you to customize emails as well as the set it, forget it emails. The the owner can go in and create his own custom emails anytime he wants and send those out immediately. So um, the gentleman years ago during the, uh, uh, Blackhawks, Chicago Blackhawks run to the Stanley Cup. He was getting people into his bar by shooting emails out to all his rewards guys. You know, tonight only during the game, a dollar off Miller Lite. I forget the exact offering, but, right. but uh, he used it that way. And the big guys don't allow you to do customized. Do you find customized works better? Depends on the message that's that's delivered and and how well they do it. When you allow the customer to go freestyle, it's up to them. You know, they can add all kinds of wonky pictures or they can keep it simple and clean. Uh, so <laughs> it, it, it's uh, it's up to the customer on what they do with it. Yeah. Sure. You know, what's interesting, I kind of wanted to add, and I think the difference holistically is probably transactional versus emotional. I know that some of the big companies that do uh, rewards, which is fine because we can integrate with, with them. Um, it's morally, it's it's mostly transactional volume scope. Um, but emotional is when you actually drill down to the specific guest, like Mike was saying with the Blackhawks fans and things like that. Um, the guests want to feel special. They want to feel appreciated. And I know like, you know, kiosks now, with the advent of AI, um, it, it can kind of recognize you and, and say, hey, you've been here before, you order this, here's a special. You really don't want um, an offer for something that you're not interested in. So when you find what the customers are interested in and you offer something special for what they would typically order, you've made them happy. And they say, wow, they really know me. And, and I think it takes um, a POS, by the way, that aggregates all this data that's data-driven and harnesses the, the power to give you the information that you need to therefore make your offers more uh, specific, more targeted. Great. Well, I think that just about does it for our podcast today. Thank you guys for being with us. Thank you. Thanks for having us. And this does it for our episode of Perfecting Pizza. Thanks for listening.